What's up, cool cats and cuties? This is the Promenade Merchants Podcast, a Star Trek podcast out on the frontier. So sit down and grab a rock to Gino as David Majors and Heather Kirby talk all things Star Trek. Old, new, and what's to come. The Promenade Merchants are open for business. Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Promenade Merchants Podcast, your favorite Star Trek podcast, Star Trek podcast that they follow on Twitter and occasionally retweet. I'm David Majors. I'm one of the hosts. The other host is Heather Kirby. What's going on, Heather? What is up, David? It's weird that today, for the first time in 23 straight weeks, we don't have any new Star Trek to talk about, but we still have yeah. things to talk about. So We do, we do. It's been a while since we've kind of been in this spot where the new business segment of the show won't immediately be an episode of new Star Trek, but we're going to soldier on, and we hope you all enjoy it. We hope you stick around with us because I think we'll have plenty of Star Trek business to cover. Uh, Heather, uh, let's just get started. Let's jump in. Uh, For new listeners to the show, uh, we have a format where it's old business, new business, and upcoming business. So we'll just get started right away with the old business of this episode. Kind of related to what we just said. Uh, Star Trek Discovery is over for Season 3. We have finished the 23 weeks of Trek, and it's looking like we might not see any new Star Trek for a little while. Uh, When that will be remains to be seen. So, when in doubt, watch Star Trek. So, Heather, I wanted to ask you, and of course everyone out there, please let us know, at Prom Trek Pod. Heather, I wanted to ask you, right now, in 2021, if you're going to put on an episode of Star Trek, either to watch or binge, which series or show would you be putting on? Well, you know, I I kind of really gravitate towards what I consider my comfort food Star Trek episodes if I'm just going to randomly put on a Star Trek series. Uh, So those would definitely have to be either TNG or Voyager. Uh, Voyager just because I enjoy watching my badass Captain Janeway. Uh, And TNG is kind of like the warm blanket of my childhood where I, I just need to feel maybe I just need to feel young again. So if I'm looking for a, just a random Star Trek episode, I go to the two of those. When I'm looking to binge Star Trek, um, I have kind of a thing where I like to do it in chronological order. Well, not not chronological as the way they air it on TV, but chronological as like timeline order. So if I'm going through a binge. I always start with Enterprise, and I go through Enterprise, and then I go to TOS, and then I go to TNG, because for some reason I just skip the new Star Trek when I do this. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so then I go to TNG, then I go to DS9, then I go to Voyager. Um, so I've actually, 
over the past year or so, I started like another because it's one of those things, especially and all of you diehard Trekkies out there know this. It's like one of those things. Once you finish watching all of Star Trek, then you just go back to wherever the beginning of wherever you started and just start watching Star Trek all over again. (laughs) Especially if you just keep having the urge to watch Star Trek. So in that aspect, I recently finished uh, TNG right before Lower Decks premiered in August. And so with new Star Trek, I haven't gone back on my binging Star Trek. But when I do, I'm starting DS9. So I'll be starting DS9 again. So yeah, there's multiple answers to that question you posed for me. (laughs) Somehow I answered both TNG, Voyager, and DS9. But that's okay. (laughs) That is okay. I, I think I wanted everybody you... can relate to that. <laughs> and and that is okay. I wanted you to expand on it. Like, just tell me your thought process. Because for me right now, I, I feel like I, I am someone that is always craving something anew. I'm always craving the next thing, the next new thing. Um, All Star Trek, the, the block of Star Trek on the Heroes and Icons Network... Uh, I like to pop in on that one semi-regularly. I'll, I'll follow the hashtag on Twitter. Uh, I'll occasionally live tweet with it. And I'll, I like to watch them because six nights a week, Sunday to Friday, they do an entire block of Star Trek every night. They will show an episode nightly of every classic Star Trek series from TOS to Enterprise. And... What I realize is this is going to really surprise some people. They recently finished the loop with DS9. They aired What You Leave Behind last week. And then after airing What You Leave Behind, they go back to starting with Emissary on the next episode. Uh, yeah. Just going right back to the beginning. And then I had that realization of, eh, I don't really want to start over again. I don't really want to start over again with DS9. Uh, But if I am picking out a random single episode of Star Trek to watch, it is almost always DS9 or Voyager. Uh, Because DS9, because it's just, it's my baby. DS9 is, is the Star Trek series that is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, Voyager, uh, just because the more I watch Voyager, the more I love it. And, and there's just something about Star Trek Voyager on the whole in recent months that I'm just really falling in love with all over again. But I'm really going to throw everybody for a loop on this one. Recently, the show that I've been thinking about the most, and maybe it's because it's in my mind because it has just gone global to the rest of the world, I feel like I kind of want to go back and watch Lower Decks again. I feel like I I just get this vibe that I want to be back on the Cerritos and enjoy Lower Decks again. It feels like it's been a while since I watched Lower Decks. I want to go back to it. I might be going back to Lower Decks very soon. Maybe even after we're done recording. I might go and watch Star Trek Lower Decks because that that's just kind of where I'm feeling otherwise it might be Voyager it's it's uh, I, I'm just getting that urge to watch 
something that is a little closer to modern, which Voyager would be in that category. Uh, I would also say, yeah, just I feel like I really want to watch Lower Decks again. It was a fun show. I like seeing Trekkies in Europe and everywhere else finally being able to get to see it. And I'm thinking I might start with Lower Decks again, Heather. I think so. You know, I think Lower Decks is the perfect show for when you just need that splash of Star Trek, especially since it's only like 20 minute episodes. You you just you're you're craving like you, you're not sure if you have a whole lot of time, but you're just craving that little dash of Star Trek. Uh, that that that's the one thing Lower Decks is definitely good for. <laughs> so I, I I can see that. And yeah, there's been so many uh, tweets and posts on on my timeline about Lower Decks with them premiering to the international market over this past week and. Um, I'm glad that finally everyone can get to enjoy that show because as, as as much as it's still really not my style, it's something I did enjoy watching. And I think everybody needs a little bit of Lower Decks in their life. I agree. Uh, the word that I keep seeing is fun. And that that is how I feel about Lower Decks. It's just it is a fun decently sized meal of Star Trek that won't fill you up too much and it'll give you just enough to want to go back to it again. I I think that uh, having some lower decks uh, and then maybe watching an episode of TNG or Voyager is is a good idea, especially TNG, if you're watching lower decks. Lower decks (laughs) is kind of obsessed with TNG, just a little bit. Yeah. Very true. Uh, but I think that right now, I- I've never been a binge watcher, but if I were to binge watch a show, it's probably going to be Discovery. Because I think that, uh, obviously, that just, that is the the Star Trek series that is best watched in succession but I feel like since we're still not too far away from more Star Trek coming, I think Discovery is a good place for it. We'll, we'll see flashes of what eventually becomes future, future parts of Discovery. You'll eventually see what is to come with Strange New Worlds. You'll see uh, pieces planted for it. You can even throw in the short treks in there now and then. And I feel like right now, if I were to binge watch a show, it's probably going to be Discovery. It's actually been a really long time since I've watched season one. I don't think I've watched season one of Discovery since its original airing. So maybe that might be one for me to do. Maybe I'll start with... Maybe I'll start with Discovery Season 1. So, uh, clearly with me saying Discovery and Lower Decks, I, I guess I've just totally put all of the classic Trek behind. I- I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just leaving it in the past, in, in the museum, uh, and we'll go back to it when I feel the need. Well, I don't think you've totally put it behind, but we're discussing like which series is 
appropriate for binge watching. And it goes to show the example of like the streaming series model versus your typical cable TV because Discovery and Lower Decks both are written for a streaming series model, which is designed to be more palatable when it comes to binge watching. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm pretty certain uh, the, there's people out there who keep that in mind while they're writing these shows is that it's on a streaming service and it's going to be something that people watch one right after another, uh, right after another. So it's a very logical point of view to, to automatically think of discovery when you think of a Trek show that you want to binge watch. I, I think it, it, it makes sense. It does make sense. Uh, as I've said, DS9 is my baby. So in many ways, I think it's not really a secret that DS9 in many ways was the template for what's happening with Discovery now in terms of linear storytelling. So if you are feeling in the mood for classic Trek, but you do want something that will remind you of what's coming with new Star Trek, DS9 might be the way to go. And just in general... Watching DS9 is great, in my opinion, but that goes for Voyager, too. They're all great. They're, they're all great. They <laughs> they're <are>. all great. <laughs> so, they're all great. <clears throat> so, let's just move into a place that you can watch them all in new business. Uh, CBS All Access. Oh, wait, check that. They are now becoming Paramount Plus uh, on March 4th. Uh, I believe Viacom, CBS, Paramount, that giant conglomerate uh, believed that the CBS All Access brand name wasn't exactly selling or, or it is in a recognizable brand name. I kind of disagree, but whatever. And they're changing to Paramount Plus in March. Now, as it stands right now, and this is the important thing, there will be no prices that will be changed and nobody will be losing anything. But it's looking like Paramount Plus will have uh, all of the other networks that fall under the Viacom CBS hierarchy. Uh, the MTVs, Nickelodeon, C CBS, all of those networks that, that they're under. And the one in particular that caught my attention was the fact that eventually it will probably include Nickelodeon. Which means Star Trek Prodigy will almost certainly be on CBS All Access. So it will be on Nickelodeon, and it will likely be on CBS All Access. So I think that's really good in general. Star Trek Prodigy will pretty much be wherever you can get it, save for broadcast network television. I think that's pretty good. Uh, what do you think about this, Heather? I, I I think the evolution of CBS All Access into Paramount Plus uh, makes a lot of sense in so many ways. Uh, it as much as it because it's more than just a name change. It, it's really an example of uh, Viacom, CBS, and Paramount coming back together as a company, uh, including more a larger library for people, which is what these streaming services need to have in order to grow. Uh, 
and it's also including a a grow growth a worldwide growth outside of the US because once Paramount Plus is rolled out in March for US viewers uh it's going to start expanding to uh Canada, Australia, Latin America and the Nordic regions uh throughout 2021 was what I read. So it's starting to expand worldwide and I think this is such a good thing because uh they're showing that they recognize that the the brands that they're producing and the shows that they're producing especially a lot of uh their original Star Trek content is something that worldwide fans they 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 have fans just outside of the US and they can make their brand bigger and better and make more money not just here in the United States but across the globe so ultimately i think it's a good move and i am very very excited for the fact that i will be able as someone who is a cord cutter and doesn't have cable at home will be able to watch star trek prodigy on paramount plus because i was a little worried about that or at least i wasn't too worried at first and then uh, then they announced the inclusion of janeway then i got kind of worried about how i was going to watch it and now i'm certain i can watch it on that so uh very happy for that part i'm happy for you i'm happy for card cutters everywhere because i was really hoping that there would be an option and kudos to cbs and viacom for giving people options everywhere to watch their programming. And I think nowadays that's what people really want. They just want the option to be able to watch when they feel like. And that's great. I'm looking extremely forward to Star Trek Prodigy uh, just for everything. Everything Heather just said about it. I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited for parents to watch star trek prodigy with their kids and then maybe going back to what we talked about earlier maybe they'll want to check out star trek voyager which they will be able to quickly do with their paramount plus account i i see what they're doing i see (laughs) what they're trying to do they're they're building the synergy They, they get the kids to watch star trek prodigy on nickelodeon and then they say hey mom dad that Captain Janeway lady's pretty cool. What else did she do? <laughs> and then you can say, well, let's turn on Star Trek Voyager and you can find out all about her. And then, and then, I don't know. I actually think the movies will be on there. They are on Amazon Prime, though. They can turn on Star Trek Nemesis and see Cap- Admiral Janeway have her cameo in Star Trek Nemesis. And yeah. then... And then the kids can say, whoa, who are these other guys? Who's this Captain Picard? Who's that robot, Data? Who are these guys? Oh, that's LeVar Burton. I know him from TV and everything else. What's all these other guys doing? What's this other Star Trek? And then you can say, well, let's watch Star Trek The Next Generation. And boom, another generation of Trekkies. I, I see what you're doing, Alex Kurtzman. And it's brilliant, and I love it. Yeah, it, 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 it's definitely it's it's a brilliant marketing move, and uh, it, it's 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 all brilliant. <laughs> it's I, all brilliant. I love to I love to see it. I love to see it. Um, so 
yesterday, uh, as we're recording this on Sunday, I did something with your Zahia, uh, Heather, the other Heather, I like to call you two the Heathers, uh, where we talked a little bit about conventions. And most specifically to this podcast is the Creation Entertainment's 55-year mission tour, uh, most unofficially colloquially known as Star Trek Las Vegas, scheduled for August. Now, this is the big Star Trek convention in Las Vegas that everyone talks about and everyone knows about. And hopefully, as we're recording this in 2021, by the time that comes around, the vaccine for the pandemic will be widespread. Uh, things will return to a little bit more of normalcy where we'll be able to gather and, and do things together again. And this will actually work out. However, comma, Heather, just on a whim, I decided to take a look at the prices for the convention in Las Vegas, and this is just to attend. This isn't for a hotel, uh, this isn't for anything else, this is just to attend. Holy crap! Yeah, you should have Wow! <laughs> oh. My. Blob. Yeah, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about these prices other than they are unfathomable. They are absurdly expensive. And speaking as someone who has been to a lot of conventions, I've been to over 40 different conventions of varying sizes. That includes Dragon Con in Atlanta. I've been to Dragon Con twice. This convention for Star Trek in Las Vegas is insanely priced. Like, these are... This is unbelievable. Like, what? And, and I guess my question is, like, I get it, like, we're Trekkies, we love these things, and yes, conventions, you save up for them, and you get the whole experience, but... My goodness, and we'll put the the link to Creation Entertainment in the show notes, but some of these, like, I don't even want to mention the prices on the podcast because it's, I'm sorry, but it's just, it's just absurd. Like, I, I've never seen anything like this. Never. And Heather, I, I don't even know what to say. Uh, <laughs> it's one of those things I try not to think too hard about it because it just pisses me off. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess my opinion of it is that it kind of blew up like that because for the longest time, like this was the only major Star Trek convention. And so like, okay, I, I, I'm of the mind that if people stopped coming and refused to pay those exorbitant prices, that the price would go down. 
But people keep coming every year and they keep paying it. And I, I, I mean, I'm not trying to fault any of my friends who go on a yearly basis because most of the people I know who go on a, year, on a yearly basis buy the lowest price ticket for the week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because okay. they can't afford the... The, the gold package. The gold yeah, package. they can't afford the four-digit price range yeah. of the insane higher packages. So most of the people I know end up buying the general admission package for the week, which I'm not did, – did they have the price on there when you look at it? I think it comes to about $350. It is the, the bottom lowest. Level. It is $339. $330. 330 Okay. Yeah, three fifty. I was close. Uh, which I I'm still of the opinion that even for a five day convention, that's high. That's a lot. But I'm a cheap ass, so and I don't go to conventions like you have, so I I don't really have a lot of experience to base that on. But my own personal view is that that is still high. Um, yeah, I'm going to tell you, that is really high. Uh, I have been to the most expensive convention I've ever been to was Dragon Con. And for everything, 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 it was one fifteen. Uh And for Colossal Con in Ohio, which was my badge, like my gold badge... Uh, and my hotel room, it was altogether two fifty, uh, because I was sharing a hotel room with friends, uh, and just wow. And uh, I will say that this this doesn't even include getting a hotel. Now, when I've gone to conventions before, I would share a hotel. Me and four or five other friends would jammed together in a hotel room so we could save money, have our bags, people would keep their cosplay in, in the hotel room, and all of that stuff, because that's just kind of how you do it, because hotel rooms are expensive. And that's just kind of the way it's done. But with this, and then the hotel room, just... <laughs> Man, oh man, oh man. I, I, I'm i not mad at anybody who can afford it. I'm not mad at anybody who can afford the gold package for this. If you can, walk with the profits, my child. Go for it if you can. <laughs> if you can afford it, go nuts. Get your picture taken with everybody. Uh, uh, but for the rest of us? Wow, man. Wow. Like, I, I wish I could speak to someone at Creation Entertainment and just kind of say to them, like, hey, man, it's a little expensive. Like, well, I, I, I can understand that there are a lot of guests, and of course they have a fee, but man, wow. I, I mean, it doesn't help that the convention is set in Las Vegas. 
which just because of the type of town it is, every single hotel includes an extra resort fee per day, <laughs> which makes it that much more expensive because they're all resorts there because it's Vegas. Um, I, I, but part of this is because I also believe like, and, and it's why I was really excited about uh, creation doing smaller satellite conventions this year for Star Trek fans uh, because the, the the prices are not going to be as high for that. And I really think it's important for those of us who can't afford to go to Vegas on a regular basis like myself to go out and support the smaller conventions so creation can see that hey they need to lower do your, more of these <laughs> lower your da- and lower your damn prices they, they they need to do more of these these smaller more affordable conventions because there is a fan base out there that can't afford to go to Vegas every year but they will come out and support these and so please 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 do more hey CBS Viacom hey Star Trek fans out there living in other places let your voices be heard Uh, as the diplomatic liaison between Star Trek and anime fandom as a diplomatic liaison between the two fandoms I'm telling you I'm speaking from experience all of these things that the anime kids have done it is all very it starts very grassroots making your voice heard saying hey going to las vegas is expensive as hell we'd kind of like conventions you know in other parts of the country that aren't nearly as insanely expensive come on man help us out help us out help the rest of us trekkies out you don't have to have every guest from every show possible but, you know, a few here and there and say just just another part of the country, just just spread out here and there. You'll get something from it. It'll work. Just man, man, those prices for Las Vegas. Wow. And again, let me say this. I have been to Dragon Con. OK, <laughs> so so I'm not just blowing smoke up your uh, plasma manifold. I, I promise I'm not. But it isn't like, and and this is what I wonder, and and, and I'm posing this question to you uh, because you have more con experience than I do, but isn't like something like Dragon Con, it's a huge con, but it's actually, isn't it based by fans? Isn't it run by fans? Like it's the fan con. Yes, it is. Is do you think there's a major difference between uh, cons like Dragon Con that are based with uh, a fan base management running them versus ones like uh, Creation or Wizard World uh, or Ace that are, are based with a major corporation running them? I can say from personal experience that there is. Uh, because when I've gone to more uh, corporate conventions that, that are run by like the Wizard Worlds and what have you, like Motor City Comic Con, mm-hmm. there is more of a vibe, and I was saying this last night, where 
you go to the convention, you buy some merch, you meet your guests that you want to meet, you get your picture taken, and then you just kind of leave. Yeah. Uh, in, in the case of the fan-run conventions, they are more of the nerd party vibe, where you do those things, but you also have the cosplay sh- the cosplay photo shoots, you have the 24-hour video game room, you have the panels that go on 24-7, you have the the bars that are always open, and it is more of that get social gathering for nerds to have a good time vibe. Uh, Dragon Con is definitely that. <sighs> Dragon Con is definitely that. Um... And a lot of the anime cons are of that, too. Uh, most of them are. And I think that that's kind of the thing that I think the Star Trek fandom could really use. I, I yeah. think it would do well. Yeah. I, I, I don't disagree with you. And, yeah, lower the prices, man. Those prices are bananas uh but let's move on let's wrap up uh one more story heather i saw this one like last night we were in a zoom call and i was just kind of looking around on the internet and i I saw this one while we were on the zoom call we were on uh michael dorn uh i don't know if you've heard of him heather michael dorn the actor Oh, I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, everybody, of course, Michael Dorn, who played Worf, uh, had an interview where he talked about a potential pitch for a series where he would essentially, uh, let me get the quote here as I scroll down. It's about Worf, he says. It's a Worf spinoff. And he has said that there's some interest and the interest kind of comes and goes and it's generally that he's saying here that it was going to be about the perspective of the Federation from the Klingon Empire's point of view. And it was like, huh, well, that's mildly interesting. Uh, it was the idea of seeing how Star Trek would look from the opposing perspective, say from the Klingons. And it would be with Worf as the as the cap, as the focal point and i thought at first it was like eh do i really want that i thought about it and i thought that might be interesting i, I would just rather they don't call it star trek worf <laughs> as, <laughs> as long as they don't call it that and be a little more outside of the box uh i would be interested in it uh heather what do you think the idea of a Star Trek series from a perspective outside of Starfleet and outside of the Federation. Uh, well, you know, after reading the article, um, it was very clear that Michael had put a ton of thought into this and what would go into the series. And I appreciate that so much. Um, it, it's an intriguing idea. Uh, I think it, it's something that hasn't really been done before. And I think that uh, Kurtzman and the folks running Star Trek right now would definitely be interested in possibly going in that direction 
because when you look at the first season of Picard, particularly, we started to get more of a view of uh, the way the outside world looks at Starfleet in particular. Uh, So they're willing to show that point of view. And it would be interesting, especially to see a Klingon based show or uh, from a more alien point of view, uh, it's kind of taking that idea and taking it to the extreme and seeing how uh, people from an entirely different planet, an entirely different empire, uh, view some of the actions of Starfleet and the Federation. So um, I really loved his idea because it would be interesting to see a deep dive into how one of these major empires or uh, that, that we've gotten to know over the many, many years of uh, 55 years to be exact of Star Trek, the Star Trek universe. Uh, but we only know them from Starfleet's perspective. So it would be really interesting to learn more about the Klingons and their entire uh basis of not just their home world but the hundred plus planets that are also a part of their empire uh because that's not something we ever got a chance to look at before so it it's a different a very different way to approach the star trek universe but i think it's something that you would get a lot of interest in and a lot of uh, views in and it, it it's some the Klingons are the most obvious place to start because I think Klingons are definitely the most pervasive uh, when it comes to just the general public uh, alien knowledge of Star Trek like everybody associates Klingons and Star Trek so if, if you're going to approach a show like this where you want to take an alien race and you want to look at it from their perspective and not Starfleet's uh, Klingon. The Klingons are definitely the ones that come to the top of that list. So um, yeah, I'm all for it. If he can get the rest of the Kurtzman and the rest of the gang behind him, I am all for it. Michael Dorn. Uh, Also, it would be really interesting to see what they do with Klingon makeup. I'm not going to lie because with how their makeup has evolved uh, in this day and age versus uh, the kind of Klingon makeup they had Worf in back in the TNG days, um, it would really interest- be interesting to see this same character <laughs> in different makeup. And I think that might be where his holdup is into get- getting people on board with that because I'm not certain they want to show Worf in the Klingon makeup that they do currently. I think that would put diehard, crazy canon fans off on it. And I think that they would kind of balk at that idea. So it would be interesting if he gets them to go forward on it, how they decide to approach it. But yeah, I'd watch it. So I have two things on this. I have two things that I wish... One, do not retcon DS9. If something like this were to happen and they just pretend that DS9 doesn't exist, 
I will not be happy because DS9 did more to expand on the Klingons than any other Star Trek series. So if they just kind of ignore DS9, just ignore the Klingon Empire, ignore Martok as Chancellor, just kind of pretend all of that didn't happen... That would suck, in my opinion. And I'm putting that out there because I worry that it might happen. Because I feel like if something like this were to happen with Michael Dorn, they would probably just kind of want to make it just a TNG, maybe a little bit of Voyager sort of deal, where they they only just kind of talk about things that only really happen in TNG, maybe the original series and maybe the movies, but not really expand on that. But if they just completely wipe DS9 off the map, I would really be unhappy about that. Number two, and this might be where I get controversial, because I do that, they should not retcon to Kuvma. Uh, I think that he was an interesting, fascinating character that the writers of Discovery built and put in, and they gave him some historical significance. And I think that he shouldn't be forgotten either. Uh, I said that on Trek Profiles. I think Takuvma is an important character. And I think that in Season 3 of Discovery where they made the point to bring uh, something from TNG, and they also brought the USS Voyager K in Season 3. Uh, it shows that they're... J? J for Janeway. Voyager okay. J. <laughs> J. Uh, they, they are, they're not ignoring the history, and they're not retconning things. And I would hope that neither of those things are retconned. Also, just popped into my head, they should not retcon Chancellor Laurel either. Don't, don't, don't retcon any of the stuff from Discovery, is what I'm saying. I, you know, I don't, I don't think they will. Um, the, the, well, the one thing I would really love to see is that them because it, they've referenced a lot from uh, TNG and Voyager in these new shows. But what they haven't referenced a lot is from DS9. <laughs> and right. I, I don't understand why that is. And I think they should because like DS9 is just as beloved as TNG and Voyager. And I don't get why they wouldn't, like with the exception of the USS Nog or whatever, which was very much a, a call out to Aaron Eisenberg. Um, but I, I don't see why they wouldn't. Because, uh, I mean, even when they talked about Chief O'Brien in Lower Decks, that statue was him standing at a transporter pad. I mean, he was the chief engineer of DS9. But if you're going to build a statue of, of him being the most important person in the universe he's standing at the transporter pad from dng like, like i said lower decks is kind of obsessed with the next generation I, I i just i would love to see more references and callbacks to to ds9 as they go forward in in all of these shows so 
as much as I don't believe they would purposely retcon something from it, I also I want to see more um, Easter eggs and shout outs to things that we know and love from DS9 that we haven't yes. really seen this yet. Yes. Everyone involved in making Star Trek in the future going forward, don't forget DS9. That might be the show title. That might be the show title. <laughs> don't forget DS9. I think we got you, it. You know, if they go forward with a, a Worf series and with Michael Dorn being a huge part of it, I would like to think that he wouldn't let them forget DS9 because, I mean, he was still a huge part of that show, even though his character was introduced on on the TNG, but I don't know enough to be certain of that. But like I said, I, I just, I'd like to see more callbacks to DS9. Definitely. Yes. Just in general. Okay, Heather, I think we covered it all. I think that's all I've got. How about you? That's it. Okay. Well, thank you all everybody for listening to the promenade merchants podcast. Uh, we are available uh, wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple podcasts, Stitcher, and everywhere else and everything else. Uh, you can follow us on social medias at Prom Trek Pod. Follow Heather at NerdyGal33. She talks about Law & Order SVU. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at CallMeDJM. I talk about anime and wrestling. Uh, and, and we both collectively talk a lot about Star Trek, too. Uh, but, of course, at Prom Trek Pod. Join the conversation with us. Send us a tweet. Uh, what Star Trek are you watching? Do you w- want to make sure that DS9 isn't retconned like we do? Uh, that's important. Let us know at Prom Trek Pod. Thank you all so much for listening, everybody. And until next time, live long and profits and walk with the prosper. <laughs> <laughs>